0: Any performing in any club in the city or anywhere um, is not quite the same as performing in front of folks uh, who are armed with M16s. So you, yeah. you kind of get your jokes together real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my note? Right, exactly. No, no, like hold on, it's in here somewhere. You guys, <laughs> yeah. just a second. So you know that was.
1: Hello and welcome to No Name NYC Podcast. My name is Eric Vetter. I am the host and I am the creator of No Name in a Bag of Chips and the whole No Name empire. Thanks for joining us. If you're here for the first time, hello. If you're returning, hello. Really glad you chose to spend some time with us. So guys, I, I want to let you know about a few things. There's two big announcements. One, we're back monthly at Word Up Bookshop in beautiful Washington Heights. These dates are coming up at Word Up right now. We're doing monthly Super Storyteller Editions with Michelle Carlo. And the Super Story Party will be on these dates, May 9th, June 6th, and July 11th. And the plan is we will be the first Tuesday for every month thereafter. And in the fall, we are looking at returning to weekly shows, which will feature a lot more stand-up and things of that nature. The show, uh, scheduled for May 9th, the lineup is kind of insane. We've got Asher Novek, Leslie Goshko, Jenny Saldana, and we have Adam Selbst. And music will be provided by Miles Blue So that's all very exciting. Those are our Word Up shows. And this is very, very exciting. Saturday, May 27th. We are finally making our return to club that was voted Best Comedy Club in New York City, and I would not feel inclined to disagree with that. QED in Astoria. We will be there Saturday, May 27th, and I believe the ticket prices will be 10 bucks a pop. Listen to who we got scheduled. Leanne Lord, today's guest. Ophira Eisenberg. Charles McBee. Storyteller David Lawson and Liz Mealy. I mean, you tell me where you could see any of those people for 10 bucks, let alone a full lineup of those people. And the music will be provided by Binder Soos. That's Alex D'Souze and Richard Binder. And that happens in May 27th. And tickets either are available or will be available shortly on their website, qedastoria.com. All right. The voice you heard up front. With the one and only Lee Ann Lord, Lee Lord, the comics comic, she she's a lifer, she's everything you want to be if you're a comic. Lee Lord is one of these people who just loves comedy deeply. She's funny, she's smart, she's thought provoking, she's funny. I want to mention funny a few more times because the others aren't euphemisms for not so funny. One of the funniest people I know. She has a special place for me personally and for No Name in general. Now, I want to tell a couple of quick stories about Leanne. During a year-long stint we had at Mo Pitkin's House of Satisfaction, one of the all-time best names for a venue, Leanne was doing a spot. Some shows I've had a stage manager for, but that was not one of those. I was just doing it myself. And, you know, you, you give the performers the light to let them know they've got a minute to rap. And I was just getting used to doing that, uh, not having someone to do it for me. And, you know, I... I, I was always a little bit... I didn't want to be super obvious because it was kind of a small room and I didn't want everybody turning to look at the guy flashing his cell phone to, to signal the performer. At the same time, then I tried to do it subtle and I wasn't sure if the performer was seeing me. And uh, that was the case in this this spot with Leanne. Like, and I didn't think she had seen me when I flashed her at nine minutes of a 10-minute set. So I tried to give her a very subtle little flash, few... Seconds later, and smack in the middle of a sentence, she said without batting an eyelash, No, no, sweetie, I've got it. I'm at nine minutes and thirty-five seconds, and continued her thought and wrapped up in 10 minutes. And my jaw just dropped. Cause I looked at my phone, and yes, indeed, it was nine minutes and thirty-five seconds. So she's that much a crafts person. And the other the other thing I wanted to say about Leanne is funny because I I loved talking with her for this episode, I was a little disappointed because she's just such a fun person and and funny and uh, very interesting to talk to about all this stuff. And for reasons that were not anyone's fault, we started that interview uh, later than we had hoped to or had originally planned to, and it got cut a little bit short because my car showed up early and we kind of rushed through the end of it. I hope it doesn't sound like that when we get done with it. But, you know, when it was done, I kept thinking of all these things that I wanted to ask her that I didn't get to. If you want to know more about her story and stuff, I highly recommend her wonderful memoir... Real women do it standing up. Essays on her career and life and stand-up. And it's funny and it's interesting. And one particular point where she was married at the time she wrote that. And she, she mentions, my husband never asked me if I love him more than I love comedy. Because he knows the answer. That's one guide to understanding her. The times I've been able to have extended conversation with her, I've always enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy listening to us. We'll get to that in just a second after this word from our sponsor. Get away to Green Bay. Yes, that's right. The historic Astor House Bed and Breakfast in beautiful Green Bay, Wisconsin where your innkeepers, Tom and Linda Steber, will greet you and make you feel at home in any of their five luxury accommodations, all of which have their own bath, and some of which even have a jacuzzi. Now, bed and breakfast, this is a bed and breakfast. You ever go to a bed and breakfast and think I'd rather not have the breakfast? Or maybe you wake up and there was almost no breakfast and it's all gone by the time you got there. Or you do get there and there's like a couple of strips of bacon, maybe one or two turkey sausages, a box of half-eaten cereal, and some questionable fruit. That will never happen to you at the historic Astor House Bed and Breakfast, where nothing is more majestic than the fresh, homemade, yummy, scrumptious Their breakfasts are amazing and are worth the trip alone. And after breakfast, if you want to know what's going on in Green Bay, what's fun to do, what restaurants do you need to check out, well, ask Tom and Linda. They know everything. They're totally connected there, and they will see to it that you have a blast every second you are up there. So, what do you want to do? You want to make some reservations? You got some questions? Check them out online. Go to www.asterhouse.com. That is Asterhouse, A-S-T-O-R-H-O-U-S-E.com. Escape to Green Bay today. Late show last night or, or, or
0: just enjoying life? Uh, well, interestingly enough, I got both. Mm. like what I had so I I had a show last night um the Newton Theater they call it the Big Apple Comedy Show Mm -hmm. it was a two-hour show uh thankfully I went on first and I'm working with (laughs) like people that I've known for years you know it's me Julia Sweeney I'm sorry um uh Julia Scotty and and so you know how you have shows where you're having so much fun in the green room and then they knock Mm -hmm. on the door and go hey there's a we're starting the show I'm like all right There's a show. (laughs) Let me stop having fun so I can go have fun. And then usually if I go on first, I just want to jet out of there because it's like a two two hour drive. But I ended up staying and talking and we just nerded out about Star Trek and Star Wars. (laughs) And it was like a little mini Comic Con after my spot. Was anybody in costume? No, no, although I'm I'm always wearing my uh, almost always That's wear my Star Trek necklace <laughs> and uh, always have my tattoo. So uh, Oh I, I don't
1: know that I'm aware of the type I,
0: of I it's new. I well new ish. I got it last year. Okay, yeah, so I don't know um, about this. Yeah, it's it looks exactly like my necklace except it's on my left arm. So it's the um the it started out as the symbol for the enterprise but then became a fleet wide or a Starfleet wide symbol. Oh, wow, that's really nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> like when you say it out loud, it's like, oh, oh, well, is that what I sound like to people? <laughs> well, we,
1: we, we've had at least two guests who nerded out on wrestling for a bit. I think it's okay. Okay. Man, it, it's good to, you know, it, it's funny. It, when, when lockdowns first happened, I have to tell you, I did not miss putting on shows. For a while. Really? What I did miss, I missed two things. I missed seeing all the people I get to see doing their work, like yourself. You know, I missed seeing seeing folks doing what they did. Mm -hmm. I didn't miss uh, arranging and producing things. I missed seeing the people doing stuff. And I missed making music with my friends. And that threw me because that's a, a, a. a comparatively newer element in my life. You know what I mean?
0: But in a way, is it really? I oh, mean, it's well. all making music, whether it's comedy or writing or community. It's, it, it's a certain rhythm to that. A- absolutely,
1: so. absolutely. And it, eventually in time, I missed the whole thing. But yeah. Uh, but it this is a long-ass way of saying it's, it's good to see you. I've missed you. Oh
0: honey, I've missed you too. You know, it, it it wasn't until, I don't know, I guess relatively recently that I, you realize what you've missed or what we've missed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, No Name at Otto's was just one of those universal constants. <laughs> you know, like it was always there. And the longer you have something, the longer you think you'll have it. And so it was, it was just there. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. And it's like, well, where do I now see those people?
1: Yeah, yeah, I get that. Because you know, totally. different
0: places attract different people. So there's just a whole bunch of folks I'm not going to see. If, we're, if I don't get to go to autos or if we're not, I'll word up.
1: So. Yeah, and it took a while for us to get the ball rolling, and our show's coming back. We're like, am I going to have to fucking pay to see these people again? <laughs> the hell! Because I don't feel like cleaning up my apartment enough to have a party, so...
0: Dude, uh, I hear you. I barely want to clean it enough for me to be in my own space. <laughs> I
1: understand. I understand. Oh, man. Well, I, it's funny because you, you're... You're one of like two people that I can think of that that have been with with No Name for, you know, had a No Name association for forever that I think, what No Name didn't exist when I first met you, but I think I've known you since almost the beginning of your your comedy career. Oh yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. Um, I I started... All right. You deep, don't have to put dates deep, to deep it Deep breath, everybody. Want... Okay, so it was, it was a while ago. But <laughs> I, I remember you essentially from the very beginning of my career. I was like maybe a year or two in when I, I we got that was connected. That my guess. And I, I want to say it was um the West Side Cafe. Am I West right? End Gate Cafe. West End Gate. Wow. Across what? from Columbia. hmm
1: Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. I missed that place. I don't necessarily miss doing shows there, but I miss... Oh, yeah, yeah. That place that that has a, a number of uh, significant meanings to me, before I ever knew I was going to be doing stuff, that was a place where I hung out with my friends when we were in college. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't go to Columbia, I went to City College, but at that time there was nothing to hang out at. New oh, York wow. City College.
0: Really? So
1: we would come down, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, you know, that was like, you know, yeah. So that was that. And it's also where No Name, uh, when we first began as a sketch group, where we did our first shows. Mm-hmm. So... But I remember, uh, 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 I guess, uh, mutual friends, uh, friend or friend. I forget specifically who was producing this show. I know my friend Winston was producing this. Winston show. Winston Majette. Winston Majette, Who's the, at the the Apollo. legendary, yes. Um, and he had invited me to do a show. He needed some comics, and he's like, "You've done comedy, right?" Yes. <laughs> um, and I, I, you know, I, I still hadn't committed on, on, on that, and that kind of defines my stand-up career but uh Uh, yes I have a stand-up career but no but I um but I remember getting there early which was unusual for me and uh I was introduced to you and I just remember having the most lovely chat and it's funny because as long as I've known you I think I think we've only (laughs) prior to this moment I think we've only ever sat down and had a lengthy chat like maybe twice, and that was one of them. Wow! You know, I mean, it's I not that we don't it. interact or communicate, but right, you know, it's right. like no, I
0: know what you mean. I know you know, the
1: you way comics me. always do. You know, hi, how you doing? You going to the spot? Yeah, I just came. You know, exchange a couple of comments and and go on. But I remembered, I, I really enjoyed talking to you, and then. You know, I knew nothing about what level you were at. But part oh, of the basement.
0: Reason- yeah, I was. I was definitely starting line, still in the locker room, putting on <laughs> my gear, listening to the coach. Yeah, it was, well, I was, it was the, early days. It was early the days. reason
1: I bring that up, uh, and and there, 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 it's a layered thing. Uh, you're one of two people that I've known this long, you know, since that point in their careers, but also uh, you, you and Liz Mealy. Like oh, I, okay. I met Liz when she had just turned eighteen. Oh my! And I know she had already been like a couple of years yeah, in at that point, but I, I didn't yeah. know that. But you two share a number of things for me. One is that that I didn't know how well Liz. I knew she had to be early, good eighteen. But uh, you, I didn't know that you were that early on at that point. Mm-hmm. But. You two, like, out of all the people I know who were starting out at whatever point, like, just from the beginning, you had a certain polish, and, and like, y'all were good from out the gate. Now, were you... No. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not going to define levels. Okay, okay. But, like, where, like, you know, I mean, you know when you're starting out, which was my story at that point, too, and when you're starting out, you're asking friends usually... Sometimes you have to ask friends to come to certain shows. Mm -hmm. And you're just thankful for someone who doesn't suck. Mm. And I was like, you know, I knew from that first night, Leanne's on the bill. It's going to be all right.
0: Oh, wow. No pressure.
1: No, absolutely. Absolutely. And now I I will qualify it by saying it could be a matter of context. Mm -hmm. but um another reason to bring up liz is not only did i feel that way about her when i first saw her work but we know her because of you you recommended her to us oh you sent her to us
0: probably yeah that sounds like me yeah and
1: uh and and seriously so i've always i also think that you both share uh an amazing work ethic and uh anyway we're very thankful that you guys have both been a part of it so
0: well, I, I just wanted to want to go back for just a sure, half, sure. like a half a beat, because um, you may not know this. I mean, I remember Liz when she started as well. And, you know, there are folks who I gravitate to. And she's one of those people. I like the workers. I like the people who put in the effort. You know they're not looking for the shortcuts they're they're really looking to learn the craft build the craft you know build a career wherever that career happens to take them so and we were, we were sort of traveling in the same circles for quite a while and so there was a, a time there where she would refer to me as her comedy mom <laughs> and she actually sent me a mother's day card. <laughs> it's the only mother's day card I've ever received. Uh, well, I've gotten a couple of dog mom, cat mom cards, but it was right. just it was just incredibly sweet for someone, you know, to say, "Hey, you know, thank you for helping me. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for being, you know, a part uh, of the journey." So that's that's always sweet and I'm loving uh, where she is and what she's doing now. Right. And I, I will tell you, I ran into her. Oh no. I remember exactly when it was. It was December, 2019 Gotham comedy club, sad occasion. Uh, it was the sort of the memorial for Angelo oh, Lozada, Angela. Oh, Angela, who I, I adore, absolutely adored him. And Liz was there. And as you know, I was still, um, knee deep in the, um, caregiving phase of my relationship with my mom. I had lost my dad that year. And I felt, it, I was just treading water, comedy-wise. I mean, I was still funny, I was still performing, but I wasn't, I don't know, I didn't feel like I was growing or, or anything like that. And I felt completely out of my depth a little bit with where social media was going. And Liz was doing really great. And I saw her and I said, hey, you know, sweetie, I love what you're doing, um, I, I'd love to get some help. And she didn't hesitate. She was like, absolutely, when do you want to meet up? Mm. I was like, what? She's like, it's not as hard as you think. You're already good at this. You just need to brush off your skills and do a couple of things. I'd be happy to sit down with you and do that. And a few weeks later, that's exactly what we did. So it's like that sort of, that help and that that family or community within comedy, can, you never know when that's going to come full circle yeah. for you. When, you know, you're helping somebody early in their career. Somebody's helping you later in your career. And it's like, oh, we're colleagues now. I mean, friends, of course, but also colleagues. So I really, really wanted to say um, say that about her and about how comedy works. Cause it's not a traditional job <laughs> <but> <laughs> by any means. It's incredibly solitary. Um, so when you can build those relationships, you know, kind of like having you and no name as a touch point, you know, you have those things that are, con- you know, that at the time are constants where you, they build a, a foundation for you. I don't think that's something you take lightly or you, you, you overlook. You know, you, and you you acknowledge it when you can. Thank, you. yeah. And, well, you
1: know, one thing that I love about Liz too, and 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 you as well, is that you both not only have but you express, and it, it really is a two part thing: gratitude for for kindnesses along the way, as well as dispensing them.
0: Oh, absolutely! Listen, you know. this is a horrible industry. <laughs> Entertainment is just. Oh, I, I remember doing interviews and people would say, Oh, if you had kids, would you want them to do comedy? No, no, not at all. Mama wants a little lawyer, a little doctor, something with some. I stability. want so much more for you than I this. Want so much more. Like, I'd be like, you want to be a stripper? That's way more honorable. Like, <laughs> this is just not, not good. Uh, and, and they're, they like, you No, know,
1: I wish someone had started me out in the right path earlier. Uh,
0: exactly. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I think I'm past my stripper days. So,
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, you, you are are you you build your family you build your team I guess um over time and 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 realizing nobody has to do anything for you ever they really don't most people are out for themselves and that's not a selfish thing that's you know how the world works in American capitalism thing indeed so when you can find somebody that can balance that and still be kind enough to help you or assist you absolutely have to be grateful and, and say thank you and acknowledge that. Um, or we even take the lesson when somebody doesn't help you. Uh,
1: this is true. It doesn't mean you have to carry a vendetta, but you take note. Oh,
0: but uh, I'm in for a good vendetta. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not it. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying that's
1: not a requirement. No, no, but, it's not. But that is not let's it. be honest, that's also why you build your team so you got somebody got your back when, it, when it's vendetta time.
0: Right, right. Or that, or that person that can talk you off the ledge. It's like, OK, yeah, no, girl, you don't <laughs> right. want to send that email. <laughs> You let that stay. Put the gun Somebody down. Put put
1: put the gun down. Somebody
0: that talks you off the ledge. I think that is a big problem right now. We have a whole lot of folks running around here without people in their corner to go, hey, you need to breathe.
1: Is it is true the ledge is getting crowded.
0: Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but now you had another question for me. Oh, wait, that.
1: yeah, no, I I, mean, I just kind of want want to go back to the beginning since I I know I know the beginning of your your comedy career kind of sort of but um, but like, are uh, uh, you someone who would like you know popped out the womb and like you know? Uh, were well, your first words were uh, you know. Uh, so what else is going on? Um, <laughs> so
0: as I was saying in the womb. <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> no. Um. Tough womb, tough womb. Yeah, no, oh, sorry. oh. But I'm no, sorry. That's great though. That's I'm I'm stuff. not
1: proud of that, but I guarantee you, I'd say it again. Oh
0: yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> um, I I think what I. What I, what I remember of my childhood, there was some creativity there, but it was way more on the writing side and mm. the imagination side. Because I was kind of, I was the youngest, but it was just, I was really sort of the only kid. Mm. Uh, so I was, had the job of entertaining myself because I come from a generation where parents didn't entertain you. They weren't yeah. filling your calendar with things to do. They weren't making play dates. They were saying, either go outside or don't bother me. <laughs> so, and they loved me, but it was just a different style of parenting. Um, right. So right. I, I spent a lot of time right You're a native New Yorker, right? native New Yorker. Were, were
1: you in one of those areas where you could go outside and play? Because I, I would not.
0: Oh, well, I was in Queens, but my, my mom was a little, how shall I say, protective. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I didn't ride the, I didn't get on the subway till I was going to college. <laughs> yes. I know, I know, your eyes just got so big. Like, what? <laughs> like, super <laughs> protective. Because I went to school in the city. Right, I went to Baruch. I went to Baruch, and okay, so okay, this is how protected I was. When I went to high school, that was my first time getting on the bus. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I had to take two buses. So my mom rode the route with me the first time. No, just the first time before school started, so that I would know where I was going. Mm -hmm. And then she did the same thing for me for college, because I had not been on the subway to go anywhere, it was insane. And then after that, I was like, "Woo, freedom! I got a 10-pack of tokens. <laughs> How old am I? I had tokens, everybody! Can you edit that part out, please? Yeah. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, but so- As long
1: as, long as you check clear, if Miles would take care of that. Thank you.
0: So it was, but to answer your question, it was. A, it came from a writing and a reading and a you know, very imaginative you know, creating my own world in my head um, Mm. sort of thing. And the crossover is that my parents were hilarious. They were so funny, usually intentionally, sometimes not, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but they were wonderful. But you got it all down, so. Yeah, I mean, they were wonderful stories. I would tell people in the beginning of my career that I'm not the funniest person in my family. I'm just the only one who wants to be paid for it. You almost can't reference The Cosby Show anymore. There's this taboo of doing it, Mm -hmm. but you know, let's if we're just gonna hop in the time machine for a moment. When that show first came out, I remember watching and going, "That's my family!" Like that humor, that that laughter, that 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 funniness, that camaraderie. I mean, I'm not saying I was raised in a sitcom, but it was I. (laughs) It was I had a good childhood, and my parents were funny, and we had a good time with each other, and we enjoyed. Uh, ourselves so hmm. yeah So I, get, I think that was the foundation of it and then doing uh, theater in college which is what that's what got me on stage in front of people not just did, being. Funny did you go into college friends.
1: with the idea of doing theater
0: oh lord I was a finance major oh man <laughs> yes I, I, I was thinking creative writing no, journalism
1: I, all that, these things I that was that finance? didn't come until
0: my sophomore year Well, college, you know, you're supposed to figure yourself out. Uh, But I went in and I'm like, I want to be, I was a finance major. I wanted to work in the pit on Wall Street, the stock market pit. That's what I wanted to do. We're talking Alex P. Keaton with a tan (laughs) and dreads. Like, that's what I wanted. Uh, And then I had a couple of economics classes and I went, yeah, I don't, uh. I don't think this is for me. (laughs) And I did switch over to journalism and creative writing and theater arts. And it was like, oh, like exactly what I at the time wanted. Mm. And I think those things contributed it sharpened my writing. Uh, It got me uh, performing on stage, although theater is different. Theater is very different than doing stand-up, but you know those chops. It's all cumulative. All these experiences help build you and create you. It's not a waste.
1: Yeah. So, so you officially changed your major.
0: I sure did. I sure <laughs> did. Um, sophomore year, and I remember I, I agonized because I've, I've 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 been type A. If I've been anything my whole life, it's been like type A, organized. It's like this is how you do things, and I was really nervous about changing my major. And I remember I mentioned it, I told my dad, I thought my dad would be like mad or disappointed. And he's like, mm-hmm. you know, this is your life, right? You, you get that you're not doing this for me and your mother. And like, yeah, we want you to go to school and, and, you know, have an education. But, you know, how you do that is up to you. Like, my, I think I really feel like my parents were so extraordinary because I think it's hard because I don't have kids, but it's, it's hard to not want to impose what you think is best on them. That's what I did. They didn't say, "Well, what kind of job are you gonna get?" No, I got a job. My, my, they weren't worried about that. Oh
1: man, see, see, that's nice because you know, a lot. You know, I I was actually gonna ask, did did they have any aspirations for you prior to entering the foyer? I
0: I will say that, and my dad always said that anything where I got to talk, I'd be fine. So lawyer, stand-up comic, okay, <laughs> whichever, you know, and the daughter lawyer's tomato, not Tomato, tomato. Right, exactly. You know, I still, law school is still on the bucket list. I just don't want to <laughs> take the LSAT, but, you know, I got being judgmental down, so, you know, I'm halfway there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so now, that that's college. What about when deciding to, to pursue stand-up?
0: Oh, goodness. um. Well, when I graduated, I graduated uh, during a recession, which you know, pick a year, any year, America, because ah, yeah. capitalism works so well. Um, but yeah, I, I remember like the my friends who graduated the year before me couldn't get jobs. You know, these were folks you know who had business degrees and were working at McDonald's or Macy's. I mean, it was really bad back then. And I had this, I was about to graduate with a little bachelor's of arts in English, and everybody was like. Girl, what you gonna do with that? Anybody gonna hire you. I was like, you you know, get your fry skills together. (laughs) But, you know, over those four years, because I had originally uh, been a business major, I'd done internships, you know, know, summer long internships every year. um, First with Dean Witter and uh, they, I did not get a job with them, but I ended up getting a job when I graduated with Chemical Bank because they said, oh, you're a liberal arts major. You know, that's the broad category you to work in corporate communications. So I ended up getting a job, which was like wonderful <laughs> and terrible because I, <laughs> I, it's a good job. You know, I had benefits. I had a cubicle. I was balling, you know, couldn't afford an apartment, but you know, But mm-hmm. um, well,
1: you were still living in New York at the time. I was so. still
0: living in New York. And I realized, I like say I got the, I was, I showed up for work on Monday. By Tuesday, I realized I'd made a terrible mistake. Like, I'm like, I don't want to do this this is horrible. Like, this is not the job I really want. Uh, I really wanted to be more creative because I got that, the taste of that in college, but I'm like, I didn't do, I didn't pursue theater in a way that, you know, would have gotten me, you know, into a graduate theater program. I like wasn't in NYU or Juilliard or any of those things. Like, and that's who my competition would have been. So, and I didn't know I wanted to do comedy yet. You know, so I spent uh, five years at a job I hated.
1: Oh, uh, I didn't know you were that. I was that there long. for
0: five years, and I will say, and I wrote about this in the book. This is the it was the sickest I'd ever been because I was going to a place I didn't want to go, doing a job I didn't want to do with people I didn't like. You know, my boss was amazing. One person at the job was amazing because um, she she was just a really sweet lady. But I was miserable, and I now looking back, I recommend. Uh, having a job you hate is very clarifying. Isn't it though? It makes you realize what you want, (laughs) what you want to do and how you want to spend your time. And so I said, you know, I'm making money, you know, money for somebody in their twenties. You know, I couldn't raise a family, but let me, let me invest in me and what I want to do. So I lived at the Learning Annex. Do you remember the Learning (laughs) Annex? Like it's a classic. Wow, do they still exist? I don't think so. Or I have no idea. But I said, no one's going to rescue me. I have to figure this out for myself and what makes me happy. And I got back to writing, you know, I got back to, um, I loved making my friends laugh. I love performing. And those things sort of converged finally to stand up. And when you were
1: working at chemical bank, were were you, were you doing any auditions or trying to do anything
0: performing? No. Oh, so it was just nine to five and then home crying in my cubicle. That's what I was doing until i discovered stand up and then you know i i would go from work i would bring like my stand up clothes <laughs> cuz i couldn't do, wear my corporate clothes so i bring my stand up clothes to work um and i would i would go from work and i'd do open mics mm-hmm. you know and then hang out late you know i was hanging out back then um with aladdin uh billy wade i don't know if you remember oh, billy, billy wade yeah yeah um and those guys those those guys were 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 so great uh, they took me on. I was like their little sister, which was really, really wonderful because I, I think oh, nice. you do need friends. It's so funny common. because I, I I think I
1: knew of you before I knew Aladdin. Oh, so wow. I was, I was in my seven-year college without a degree journey. <laughs> so yeah. uh, let's just say say I didn't receive that clarity and act upon it in my college time the way it, it happened for you.
0: Well, I mean, the... the clarity part, I guess, was choosing a major that I wanted, that if it was closer to my desires. And now mind you, I picked journalism and creative writing, and I hate journalism. (laughs) I really do. I still I'm not a big fan. Uh, I was really interested in the creative writing part. So that's, I mean, that was the only way that I could get it. So and and listen, no disrespect to folks who are really putting in the work and trying to do good journalism. I just don't think that's the majority of the field. (sighs) Contrary to how we try to portray things, I am not completely self-made. Nobody is. And so part of my upbringing and feelings about journalism come from when I was a kid my dad would bring home, you know, more than one newspaper. You know, we'd have mm-hmm. USA Today, New York Post, Daily News, uh Newsday, Long Island Newsday at the time. And my parents, I had those parents, they would say, you know, read, read the papers, read, pick a story, read the same story in each paper. Mm. What did you read? What did you not read? What did they not say? You know, how is this different? And like, well, this paper said this, but this paper didn't mention it at all. So then you get the idea. Oh, so it's not all, you know, objective. Yeah. So I got, I learned to read, um, and, and read with, um. There's a, a phrase for it, but understanding context. I don't know how many people got that when they were nine and ten, <laughs> you know. So not that it bred a distrust of journalism, but an awareness of who is writing this, what 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 is what is their inspiration, what's underpinning that. So you yeah. start to question more, and you don't just take it on face value.
1: Can Can I so, ask you something? You know, you're talking about the you were talking about the period where you. are Starting to do open mics. Ugh. Um, I it, it's funny. Uh, our, 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 our production assistant Stanley Rescio had recently been hitting open mics for the first time, and I oh. went with him to a couple of them. And I had not, <laughs> I had not been to an open mic, mm. a comedy open mic at least, uh, in about twenty years. Uh huh. How was and it? And was it always this horrible?
0: Yes. I don't even know what experience you saw. I'm just gonna go on ahead and say yes. Uh, what what made it horrible for you now? Um,
1: I was having a good day until oh, till I got triggered. Man. Um no, it, it, it but it, it reminded me of my memories of Volman Mike's, but it was even more intense. I'm leading to a point to go back to you. I really am, but um, oh, it, the the it, what I was astounded at. In the particular open mics that I went to, and it may have been that because all all open mics are not created equal. No, they're not. Cause at this particular open mic, I was as I think there was maybe two women in the entire thing, and and well, that's a lot. And there were thirty four performers on this open mic. Wow, how things so, have not changed. Well, yeah. So my question is this. <laughs> What what was it like as 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 a young woman of color hitting the open mics that you were hitting back then?
0: Oh, it is as delightful as you're probably thinking. all <laughs> <laughs> very pleasant memories. Okay, um, open mics are open mics. They are what they are. It is part of the process. I was lucky in the sense that my mentor back then i don't know if you remember rob weinstein Mm -hmm. okay stand-up comic writer um he taught out of the comic strip Mm -hmm. back then and he taught uh comedy boot camp that's what his oh i remember that called i came out of that aladdin came out of that Roberto vanderpool came out of that Mm -hmm. you know we were sort of in the same cohort of folks uh and he had a very uh uh he had an opinion and an instruction sort of on how to do open mics. Um, A, you m- must do them. Uh, you, that's the only way that you get better. Understand that the people in the audience, if it's just all comics, they're not your audience. They are not your audience at all. You have to think past them. So your job when you're getting on stage is to know what you're working on. What are you doing with your five minutes, your four minutes, your three minutes? Are you getting new jokes out? Are you getting a new order of jokes out? Are you working on your energy? Are you working on your pacing? Are you working on your eye contact? Are you working mic, no mic, mic stand, no mic stand? There is always something that you can be working on that does not require the validation of your peers. So you come you come in with a goal and an agenda, because when you start to grow, these folks are not your audience. <laughs> sometimes you just want to get the words out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And that's what an open mic is for, so that when you get to a regular audience, a paying audience, an audience that wants to see comedy and not do comedy, you've laid that groundwork for yourself. Is this a pleasant <laughs> you know, thing to do? Sometimes it can be, sometimes it's not. And he was also of the opinion that you can learn just as much from a good comedy performance as a bad one. What are those bad habits? What are they doing wrong? And it could be vets who were doing stuff wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, who are not, who are pacing on stage for no reason. Oh, that's nervous energy and they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, they stepped back on a punchline. They looked down on the punchline. They didn't tell that joke a hundred percent. You know, his, his thing was you tell a joke a hundred percent or you don't tell it at all. That's a lot of times why a joke may fail. So when you walk in and you've got this, um, this list, you know, of things that you want to accomplish those 30 dudes in a basement, that's, that is what that's y'all are just a step in the path. Uh, Cause these kids today don't know. They were like, how do you do like one show and then you go home? Aren't you doing four or five shows a night? No, sir. I've done that. This is your turn. I know what I'm doing.
1: Uh, well, all right. first of all, did you know what you were getting into? And once you figured it out, uh, how do you feel about that?
0: Nobody knows what they're getting into. They, they, everybody's got stars in their eyes. And they're going to be famous in five minutes. You know, they, they're, not, they're not aware of the level of work. Uh, they think that sometimes talent is all it takes. This is not that industry. I've seen some really flat out funny people like, dude, how are you not a star <laughs> who quit? Because this the the life that this requires, the commitment that this requires um, is not for everybody. This is not a, an easy choice or an easy path. If it were just about talent, the the industry would look a lot different. And I'm not saying that the people who are doing this well or who have been in it, you know, for, for a long time are not talented. I'm just saying that drop off. That's intense. Yeah. I feel like every time, every year I go to a Christmas party, you know, I walk in and I'm like, how did I end up in the corner with the old heads? Like how did this (laughs) happen to me? Am I an old head now? What is it? And it's like all these people, it's like every year, there's more and more new people like y'all to get the memo that this is hard. But they just keep showing up, again, with with stars in their eyes and, you know, millions of followers on Instagram. Well, let me ask you this. Did you, you you talk about the comedy class you took, did you take that before you hit the mics or concurrently? It was before. Okay. I, I took a... So you,
1: uh, you, you I, had a clue as to what you were going to see.
0: Yes. I mean, I, and I was type, I'm was i type A, so it's like, there must be a class. There must be a <laughs> right. book. How do I learn how to do this? You know? You and, know what? I, I, All okay, right. I, so I, I'm i
1: always interested in, in people's takes, because I have my opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you think about the value of classes uh, in stand-up?
0: <sighs> okay. Okay. Um, Again, this is individual and mm-hmm. subjective.
1: And again, all classes are not created equal No, they to. are
0: not. No, they are not. And you have to find, if you're of a mind to take a class, that teacher that connects with you, that says something to you in a way that you can understand it. You know, we all have those favorite teachers from school. Why are they our favorite? They saw us or they taught us or they spoke to us in a way that resonated. It's no different in stand-up. You have very talented stand-ups who are teachers who can't teach worth a damn. They mm-hmm. can't share that knowledge. Doesn't mean they're not they are not good stand-ups, it means they're, they're just not good teachers, perhaps for you.
1: I was gonna say, because it's not even always just a matter of they can't teach, but it, it, do they teach in a way that you receive that's, it?
0: Th- that's accessible, right. Um, So I, I am of the belief no one can teach you how to be funny. You know, that's the knock on classes. Oh, you can't learn how to be funny unless you're a sociopath. Everyone's got a little bit of a sense of humor and (laughs) to be fair to sociopaths, they've learned how to fake it. So, um, big up to all my psychos, uh, (laughs) but so they, what no one teaches you how to be funny, what they can teach you, um, the mechanics. You know, what is both in performance and in writing, what is a setup? What is a punchline? How do you edit? How do you put a bit together? How do you string jokes together? How do you perform in different environments? You know, cause I, I have taught and I I shouldn't say I don't care for it. I just know how incredibly difficult it is. And I respect that. And you forget how rudimentary some of this is like the first time you get on stage oh my gosh the lights are so bright well yes they are how do you adjust to that how do you perform for that you know do you work with uh, a mic stand or not you know different types of microphones different types so those those things someone can explain to you but then you've got to go out and then do the work it's like here are the tools that's what a good stand-up class can do for you and even giving you direction, on how to mine material how to capture material i I always tell people you know back in the day before phones you know you pen and piece of paper should be like right at the ready all the time you have to capture your ideas and with a phone there's no excuse why you're not doing that Um, (laughs) capture that idea because i do believe that ideas are jealous things if an idea comes to you and you don't write it down that idea goes oh you don't want me I'm going to go to somebody else. (laughs) And then a week later, month later, year later, someone else is doing that great joke you thought of, but didn't write down. Or they wrote that screenplay or that book Mm -hmm. or that movie or that Ted talk. You were too busy. Like, well, you didn't write it. You didn't write it. You didn't at least capture the idea, the idea and say, I see you. I don't know what you're going to be yet, but I'm capturing this so that when I sit down to write, people goes, Oh, what do I do when I sit down to write? I can't think of anything. You should have been capturing ideas the whole time. The whole time. You should look open up that note app on your phone and go, oh, yeah, this is what I want to work on. All right, so I'm going to
1: stop you there for a second because I wanted to ask you about this anyway. This sounds about the right time. Uh, I'm asking you this even though I know I, I've heard the answer before. Oh, uh-oh. I, I want to talk about your work process <laughs> because I know you have warehouses filled with color-coded notebooks and and computers, and just, uh, yeah. it, it, I, I, I'm sure the process has evolved even further since I've last heard you speak yeah. about it. Oh man! But uh, <laughs> what about your work process?
0: Okay, um, I think you are referring to my set book, which has a little <laughs> bit of a reputation in the community. It is a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Um, it's we've
1: I'm, heard the songs they sing in foreign land about it. <laughs>
0: it's it's clocking in right now at about 300 pages or so um and that is a word document and 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 please if anybody's listening to this however you mine material or how you write guess what that's the way it works that's how you do it you know it's not how i do it it's not how you do it's what is working for you and you get to see that everyone's doing it a different way. Yeah. You know, and I'm, re- I'm referencing old school comics, but, you know, the, the, the lore was that Sinbad never wrote anything down. Mm-hmm. Then you get the extreme, Carlin, who wrote everything down. <laughs> right. And you, you read these stories and you'll see yourself in there and you realize there's no right or wrong way. It's what works for you. So I'm, I'm happy to share how I do it, <laughs> and, but I don't want people to think, oh, that's the rule. That's how I do it. Right. Um, once again, I'm very type A. I am a recovering workaholic, control freak, <laughs> perfectionist. You know, so in, my, in the beginning, I didn't know, you know, what do I, I do index cards? Am I doing sticky notes? Do I have notebooks? I mean, I you still did have, all of them, right? I did all of that. I did all of that. And right now it's a combination of several things. Like, again, I still write things down. Um, sometimes when I really, really want to work on an idea, it's pen and paper because it's a different part of the brain than typing. You know and but I'll, I'll write i'll write it down hand write it down then i'll type it i'll put it into you know my set book my set book is broken down um i write out the entire joke word for word punctuation physicality all of that it has a title that title is uh tagged and i create a table of contents uh so everything is referenced in my in my set book Another tool that I use is Evernote. That's where I capture my ideas. It could be any note-taking app. Please don't get crazy, you guys. Um, however, you capture that to 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 have an idea so that you don't pull a napkin out of your pocket and it you sweat and it's that note's gone. <laughs> so that's why I or you I get like that. one word out of a sentence, like. The hell does this word have to do with anything? Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's the other thing you guys. Yeah. Don't, don't, you pull out a note, you go mayonnaise. What, what did I mean there? You know, so (laughs) help yourself out give yourself a mayonnaise is disgusting or whatever you were thinking, you know, just to give yourself that help when you go back to develop, um, go back to it soon
1: enough before you forget what the one word is.
0: Right. Exactly. There, there are notes on my desk where that still happens. So it's not (laughs) something that you fix for all time. Um, but again, this is how my brain works. And then the bits, the jokes, the individual jokes, then get put into a section. I might be doing jokes about dating or jokes about marriage or jokes about my parents or jokes about my cat. You group those things. And those bigger groups to me are like Lego pieces. You, you, you redo the puzzle almost for every show. You say, okay, where am I going? Who am I performing for? Who's in the audience? What am I going to open with that? They'll like or resonate with. What am I going to close with? You should always know what your opener is. You should always know what your closer is, and figure it out in the middle. And those Lego pieces, you move them around, and that's what your set is. That's what you eventually build. It's a five-minute set, or you're seeing, and then you're featuring, and then you're headlining. And then you're doing colleges, and it's just more. You're growing how many puzzle pieces you have to do a particular show. So that I mean, that's that's me, you know broad strokes, I guess, but I still, um, I was doing that this, this morning I get, cause I had a show last <laughs> night. Um, I remember I'll go back and look at that set. I will look at my set and, and, and go make those edits because as well as you write, you have to make room for you, the magic that happens on stage. You write, you write, you write, you write, you, oh, this is the exact wording I want or you think you want Then you get on stage and you either forget, or the moment suggests something better that you couldn't have thought of sitting at your notebook or your your computer. Mm -hmm. That's, That's why it's important to record, whether it's video or audio, so if you don't have the memory, uh, you know, oh, I fixed that joke on stage. This is brilliant. How many times have you heard a comic say, oh my gosh, that was great. I never said that before. Can somebody write that down? <laughs> and I'm the comic in the room that goes,
1: oh, yeah, fine.
0: I get a pen, I write it down, <laughs> and then they get the lecture from me on why this shouldn't have happened, and it better not happen again. <laughs> I'm
1: I'm picturing a young Leanne listening to this episode and, and taking a lot of
0: notes. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, it's... it's you again, you're figuring out who you are on stage, what your process is. Do you work better in the morning or the evening? Like, wh- where is your creativity, you know, shining and trying to let that show through? And then growing as a comic, you know, your opinions change. You know, what you thought at 20 and being single might be different if you're married with kids. You know, yeah. but that's a different perspective now on stage. You got to feed people. Oh, your perspective changes. You know, you, you gotta now put a roof over your own head, that's a different perspective. Yeah. And that should show um in your work if that's the type of stand up that you're doing.
1: Correct, correct. You're doing the open mics. Oh yes. Um,
0: <laughs>
2: they were terrible.
0: <laughs> was so, bad. so so all
1: right. So you're doing the open mics, uh how do you start to make your way into into the clubs?
0: A lot of, and I can't speak for other cities. New York is a hangout city, or at least it used to be. You know, you got to FaceTime before there was FaceTime on your Apple phone. You had to show up, you had to be seen. They had to see you um, in the clubs, and that's what I was doing. You know, whether I I would do an open mic or not. And I that's actually sit. a
1: reason to focus on one club if 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 you feel an affinity for one club. Yes. Because then you you're right. You know, I know that people who come through here see me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and again, you know, it, what was I in my twenties? You know, I'm, I'm bopping around from club to club, but my main clubs back then uh, were the comic strip and New York comedy club. And I, for the strip, the strip actually had a process. You could take a number, you can audition, you I, can I argue, lines. right. You can argue with the MC, you know, they may or may not pass you. And then Lucian's got to see you. This was Lucian Hold back in the day. He was the mm-hmm. manager. Uh, at the comic strip, you argue with Lucien, and then hopefully, if you're lucky, you get passed for late night. Late night means you got to show up after the regular show was over, and perform for whoever was left. We're talking eleven o'clock, eleven thirty, yeah. midnight on a weekday. I can say
1: those are the early time slots.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I was balling. Why don't you go right after the main show? Woo! Yeah. So, you, so you had to put that work, and that was the process at the strip. And every club's different. Yeah. For New York Comedy Club, I hung out there so much that um, a comic, and this always happens, somebody didn't show up, they needed a comic, I was there.
2: Mm.
0: Sometimes it's just about being in the room. And Chris, uh, Chris Mazzilli was the manager back then. He said, okay, Leanne, I'm gonna put you up. I was like, oh, okay. And then he looked at me, he was like, did you pass yet? Did I outpass you? And I went, um, <laughs> no. I shouldn't have been honest. Like, what I would was going
1: say, it? what? You, I, you clearly didn't have a handle on the game yet. No,
0: I was, you know, Catholic school upbringing, you know, that kicked in and I said, no, I haven't. <laughs> but he was in a bind. He didn't have anybody. Mm-hmm. So I said, st- A for honesty, you know, but then he put me up anyway and I did a good job. That was, I guess then technically my audition and I passed. Oh,
1: no. Nice. You know, and
0: then he started using me. So, you, you know, the other thing is to be prepared for possible opportunities.
1: Well, that's the thing.
0: Like you know, if, if if you're putting in the the face time, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah, but you, yeah, being showing up and being ready, being prepared for yeah. it, because that was the thing that used to happen at the strip. Sundays was a good night to hang out back in the day, yeah. because the the regulars they would be working Friday and Saturday. They'd be doing road gigs. They might be tired. They might come home and like you know what? Yeah, I don't want to do that Sunday spot. And you happen to be happen to be sitting at the bar. Hey, so and so canceled. Do You want to do a spot? Sure. Wow. What a coincidence. <laughs> so, you know, you, you figured out where to seize um, opportunities in stage time. And then New York is I shouldn't say New York. This is probably a human thing. People want to work with their friends. Okay. So your hanging out is not pointless. You're meeting other comics, you're making connections. They'll go. Oh, hey, there's a mic here. Or hey, so and so is booking this. Mm-hmm. You know, your friends, your colleagues, many times uh, will bring you along, or, or make recommendations to you. So yeah. that's that's another reason to to post up, uh, as it was back in the day.
1: I'd like to ask you, what do you want to do right now? And 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 I'm sorry, I'm going to make this a big clunky thing, but I, I I I kind of wanted to say, well, you know what, let What do you want to do right now? Let's keep it simple.
0: (sighs) That's not (laughs) a simple question. That's never been a simple question for me. So, you know, usually by the end of the year, almost every year, I quit comedy. No, no, really. It used to be just, you know, once a week, every Tuesday. Now I I aggregate it to the end of the year because usually from November on, it's a lot of corporates because people are doing parties, you know, whether it's virtual or in-person and everybody's got these restrictions that like you can't say this, you can't do that. And so I get to the end of December. I'm like, screw it. I, I, can I just do a bar show? <laughs> or I can say, well, you get You get fatigued from from having those constraints on what is born out of something that had no constraints. So, your,
1: your, your notebooks must be real dog-eared in the last couple of months of the year.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Again, because it's putting together what set's going to work for who, where, and how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then putting all that together, and then throwing it out the window when you're actually there, because you then have to then be present. What's happening in this space that I have to be aware of right now, and that that brilliant, you know, ten minutes I did about religion. Oh, that's 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 not gonna work here.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, and then to be and, and knowing how to do that tap dance in the moment, that's what the experience gives you. That's TikTok ain't gonna teach you that.
1: <laughs> you get that right. And let me
0: okay, let me pause no shade on tiktok the creativity i have seen on that platform to that <laughs> and instagram folks are doing really really wonderful stuff on there uh, It's different than stand up unless people put, putting their stand up clips on there so yeah i'm not one of these like oh his oh what are these kids doing today with right, the ticketed right, talk right. <laughs> i'm not that person this is always evolving you know, so however you can get your creativity out. Right, but right. watch watch crossing your streams if you if you know what I mean. Like I, I know have, exactly what you mean. I, I don't And assume. I'd expect no
1: less a comparison from you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so so I'm very well aware that stand up is different from improv. Is different from storytelling. Right. Is different from comedic acting. Can you do all of those? Yes, you can. Does it mean that you should or you're good at all of those? No, it does not. Because they are each their own specialization. Right. They, Why would social media they, they be different? They each
1: have their pluses and minuses. They're Absolutely. not interchangeable.
0: Absolutely. Can they complement? Yes, but I, I I try not to be disrespectful to other forms. Like you were talking about, you know, sketch and improv. I respect it. I am not great at it. I am not yes and I'm like yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: so yeah, just keeping that respect and that that awareness for how each permutation of this uh, can work. It's just I don't know. It's just a health makes it a healthier overall work environment. And
1: and as your your career and opportunities evolve, what opportunities like what gigs or what moments or what milestones are ones that you enjoyed the most and which, one, which ones are you still, like, jonesing for?
0: Um, hmm. That's hard because... See, I'm, oh. I, 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 I won't parenthetically
1: add that part of the reason I ask you is I know many, many years ago I just, you know, ran out of, like, well... Which, which credits of hers should I mention? Because <laughs> I, you know, I, you know, cause I didn't keep a notebook on that, uh, <laughs> and yeah. you know, I was like, oh, just pick them at random. And I was like, you know, yeah. I was thinking about it in like if that were my list of things that I could pull out if I wanted to be, you know, do a superior dance. Like, which ones would I pull out? And it, like, so what? What ones gave you the most joy? If, if that's something that you can answer,
0: well. Yeah, and and parenthetically, you're one of those people that you have always given me such warm and wonderful introductions. I go, did I Sometimes I, do I keep that? them under a half hour. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. Sometimes. We edit in post. <laughs> um, I mean, overall, I, I don't ever take for granted, and I'm not grateful for the fact that I do this at all. You know, it's one thing to, to figure out what you want to do in life and then something completely different to then go do that, to have that freedom and that opportunity and that whatever that is to, to go and do it and then continue doing it. So I'm never not grateful for that. I'm sometimes perplexed. You know, why, <laughs> di- why didn't somebody stop me? <laughs> um, you saw about to do that. Why, why didn't you say something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I look back I'm like, what have I done? This is crazy. Who makes a life out of this? Um, but there are there are many moments um, that were that I, I look at I'm like, wow, um, one that the, the few that come to mind is getting the opportunity to perform for the troops. you know going over uh, to the Middle East and I went over early. I went over in 2002 uh, to Afghanistan. You know, it was in the Kabul airport. There were still bullet holes in the walls. You know, what? the Marines were at that base. When the Marines are there, it's still hot. By the yeah. time the Air Force shows up, everything's done. It's a barbecue. <laughs> but to, to have done that, to, you know, and this is not about the politics of it at all. It's like these are these are kids who signed up to be in the military and you can sign up at 18. And then you go and you do these shows and you meet them and you see what 18 looks like how incredibly young it is. And you, you just want to go, does your mom know you're here? Oh, and they're just, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm going to put you in my suitcase and take you home because you know, you're out past curfew, but to, to, to date, I mean the, the absolute most appreciative audiences, you know, are military audiences, because you know, they're, they're out there doing a job that most people can't even conceive of. They're away from their family um, in the early days, this was before, you know, easy access, mm-hmm. uh, to internet, social media. Sometimes the bases were on a, on a, on a blackout and you couldn't do that at all. So you were it. Yeah. You know, in terms of signs of life. Right. Exactly. That they weren't forgotten. And, you know, it, any performing in any club in the city or anywhere, um, is not quite the same as performing in front of folks, uh, who are armed. With M16s, so you yeah. you kind of get your jokes together real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd my note? Where right, dad, exactly. No like, phone. hold on, it's in here somewhere. You guys, <laughs> yeah. just a second. So you know that was you know all of the times that I've done that because you know I've done the Middle East, I've done Asia, I've done the South Pacific, Europe. You know, just to look back and like, one of my goals in life was to do stand up and travel. And I've done that like my I've, I've, I'm on my second passport with additional pages like that just makes me like really, really happy. Um, I'm going to be flashing that at the old folks home and then be like, OK, Nana, <laughs> that's really nice. Take your pill now. That's great. Because <laughs> um, that's where it all ends. It ends in tears. Uh, but no. So so, yeah, performing with the troops was was an amazing experience. Um, my not my first TV show, but my second because I did Lifetime Girls Night Out and i had auditioned for but i didn't get vh1 stand-up spotlight they said we don't have any room for her like okay mm. fine you know you 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 move on you you try you step whatever right the i was it was right here in the city where they recorded um lifetime girls night out and i did my set and apparently the booker for vh1 was there and they said yeah we'd like her to do the show now wow <laughs> So being on one show and then, you know, they have, doing well enough that people change their mm-hmm. minds. Mm-hmm. You know, which tells me. Well, it's also know,
1: peer pressure, too. Like, well, they thought she was good enough.
0: Right. So so that was always like, because that was so unexpected. They had already said, no, I thought that door was closed. It might be closed, but don't assume it's locked.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah there you always go.
0: Jingle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> always jingle that handle. Always jingle that handle. Oh, wow, I'm just giving help to thieves. Anyway. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Um, but I think for right now, I mean, again, it's, it's hard to choose. There's so many um, memorable moments, but the one that really, really sticks for me is when I got to do uh, the Apollo, the same gentleman that booked Def Jam, Rob Sumner, was, was booking the Apollo. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Apollo Comedy Club, I should clarify. Right. And um, I brought my dad. To that show and oh, and just to give man, this some man. context my dad was my biggest cheerleader my dad you remember my dad back in the day he would come I and met hang out both your parents a few times yes yes my mom came to the big shows my dad would just hang out whenever there was a time like, i mean i remember i had a show at caroline so i showed up and my dad was already there he'd already gotten there i show up and security <laughs> is like and you are i'm like i'm on the show like are you serious like that's how well known my dad was back in the day. He, <laughs> he not just loved me and what I did. He loved comedy and the folks doing it. Mm. So he was he was that supportive parent that a lot of other comics didn't have. And he really believed that the more love you give away, the more you get. You know, so he, he just had a really big heart. He was young at heart. And he loved hanging out with me um, at the clubs. And he had a good time. And so when I got the Apollo... I knew. Oh yeah. That because I mean, that's the especially for his generation, like that's a big yeah. deal. It's huge. So I knew, you know, I was gonna bring my dad, and uh, I also knew it was the last show that I would bring him to because at that point uh, he was on a walker uh he's he's like like if I had to be, if we had to be somewhere at two in the afternoon we had to start getting ready at nine like he yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. You, you know older folks need a little bit more time to get ready and if you don't want to rush you and have you to, never want to rush you, know, with you older never folks want to rush you just so that's
1: never gonna end well
0: no, so you know be kind to you and them and building the time you need to move yeah. around with the folks who need extra time. I'm just putting it out there. So we, I got in there really early. We parked. Because I was going to drop him off in the front of the theater. And he goes, no, 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 I'll go with you. So I parked, and we're walking up the block. And uh, my name flashed on the marquee.
3: <laughs>
0: and I was five years old. I was, I-, I was like, daddy, 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 do you see? And he's like, yeah, baby, I see. And it was just... Oh, this moment, like his belief in me, like it felt like like validated. Like look, you believed in me, and look what I'm able to do. And we took that slow walk up the block, got into the theater, and you know, part of my mind was split. Part of me's thinking about the set. Part of me's thinking about him. <laughs> but the people who worked at the Apollo completely took him over. They, so they were like, no, no, we got your daddy. You just focus on what you're doing. They got him seated. They got him full. I mean, they just, it was, they, so they, I was well treated. They treated him really well. Um, And then I, I, you know, I, I got up, I did my thing. I come off stage and I can't remember. I mean, we're a very affectionate family. My dad hugged me harder than I've ever been hugged. He was mm. like all of that love, all of that. I'm so proud of you. Was in that hug, and so that was the last show that I was able to bring him to, and for it to be that show. Oh man! It just that's why it's it's. I, I like talking about it, but it's it's hard because it just it puts that that lump in my throat. Yeah. That, like, I'm just so glad I got to do that you know, oh, with yeah.
1: him. That's, that's amazing. I, uh, by the way, uh, I, I did not make that show, but, uh, I saw your name up in the lights, Gordon. A uh, good yes. friend, PR guy Gordon PR on guy the job has always sent me. And it's like, what the hell does this guy want Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that
0: picture, man. And the folks the at they Apollo, they actually took a picture of that and sent it to me as well. Um, and it's it just like, just, it does not get old to see your Damon lights. Yeah, you know, and then lights as as historic as those. I would say that's not just any like. Lights. Come on, y'all! Come on, that's uh that's yeah. All
1: right, so if people want to follow you, well, they know what you're doing. What do they need to do? Where can they go?
0: Um. Okay, I am everywhere. Doing everything all at once. Uh, Veryfunnylady.com is my website because unless you love me, you cannot just spell my name upon hearing it. Um, but I, listen, I am on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Uh, the children have dragged me on the TikTok. Um, uh, I, I, um, I'm still on Twitter because I love a good dumpster fire. I'm uh, even on Pinterest and I don't even know why. Y'all, yeah, I'm just, I'm there. I, I What I'm saying is I'm not hard to find. I don't hide. <laughs> I'm, uh, the, uh, I am open to, to new fans and people who appreciate, you know, thoughtful, smart comedy. Leanne Lloyd,
1: I love you to death. Thanks for spending some time playing with us.
0: I love you too. Thank you for the invite.
1: Oh man, that was our conversation with Leanne Lord. We thank Leanne for spending some time with us. I enjoyed talking to that one. Maybe someday we'll do another one and I can think of all the things I wanted to ask her that we didn't get to on that one. Anyway, lots of people make this thing happen. I want you to know who those people are. First of all, our producer, the one and only Gary Understudy Hardcastle, the man who's the Wizard of Ooze and Oz. Our audio technicians, Gary Hardcastle and Miles Appeal Blue Spruce. Our theme music was composed and performed by the one and only King of the Hill, Courtney Hill. We want to thank you all for coming to hang out with us. Uh, remember, Leanne Lord will be at our show at QED Astoria on Saturday, May 27th. And before we disappear into that good night or whatever time it is when you're listening to this thing, we want to leave you with a little bit of music. This is an acoustic piano mashup from Binder Binder Suits will be our house band for that show on May 27th. And what they do is very unique and wonderful. And what they've done here is a mashup of two songs that were written for a project very near and dear to our hearts. If you're listening to this on the day it drops, that would be May the 1st. And that's the birth date of a very dear friend of ours, uh, Janine Liebert, whom uh, we lost way too young. And a number of us contributed to a fundraising project. It's a music project of original songs, and any purchase of the whole album or any individual songs go to support suicide prevention. This particular mashup contains two songs that are on that album. It is a song that I wrote called Dust to Dust, and they mashed that song up with one written by uh, Janine's sister. Linda Engels-Steebert called Little Town. We hope you enjoy it. And uh, if you like what you hear or want to hear the originals, or if you just want to make a donation, go to lostbysuicide.com. The album is called Crooked Lions, and here you go. This is Bender Sues. Until next time, this is Eric Vedder. Thank you for being here. I love you all.
3: all there is to life I gotta get out sometime of this little town of mine yeah it's all the same
2: Sometimes ain't nothing left Sometimes you think you'll leave in a town will leave no one be left
3: it's If your times time have turned, don't into mind dimed, all, all of the fruit of the really grapevine. Say it, say the strong gales. Town on a Ooh, sweet rail, small to town. Where are you now? We're wandering round this little town, knowing where we're going. We're chasing a dream, nobody sees, and nobody knows when we'll. Sometime. I will love you I gotta get out
2: Since you chose To leave the room I will not Hold you down Too easily Some may Presume You chose to wear a frown But broken Lives are rallying. Some folks Don't know the
3: Nobody knows, nobody knows, the grass that is growing right where we are standing. Oh, if your dreams are turned to dust, take your leave now if you must. Keep your faith and keep your trust. I will love you Is all there is to life? You gotta get out time I, I will love, will love, love you. Dust to dust.